The original cast at the movie's live stream announcement, September 16th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or Daylight Time, whatever it is, Eastern Time here, Washington, D.C. and New York City. The original cast of the movies will be live streaming on Patreon, talking about the 2003 music theater epic, Camp. That's right. We're talking about camp. We're talking about camp with Robbie Rizal. We're talking about camp with Michael Finke. We're talking about camp live on Patreon, September 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern for mezzanine patrons and orchestra patrons. If you are a mezzanine or orchestra patron of the original cast on September 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, you can listen to Robbie me and Michael record the uh, next episode of the original cast of the movies where we talk about camp unedited. And I'm hopefully setting it up in such a way where you guys can interact with us. You can have a chat. You can you can hop on just just by text. We're not going to put you on the show, but you can ask questions in the chat. You can uh, see you know see how it is. See the the raw and dirty way I record this podcast. That sounds terrible, but that's what you're going to see. If you're a balcony patron, you will still get to listen to the episode when it comes out on uh, the 27th of September. But if you are a mezzanine or orchestra patron, September 16th, 8:30 p.m. Eastern, you can watch the live stream recording of the original cast at the movies go to patreon.com slash original cast pod and either up your patronage or become a patron and start getting access to what i'm hoping is going to be the second in a series of live streams where hopefully i'm going to make this a regular thing and every month we're going to do the original cast of the movies as a live stream because we had a lot of fun doing the first one with carrie talking about gypsy uh and hopefully this one will be with michael and and robbie who are uh pips uh separately so together god only knows what's going to occur um, the only one of them is legally dead in Hell's Kitchen. So go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and uh, become a patron of the original cast. Listen to the original cast of the movies September 16th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time for Mezzanine and Orchestra Patrons. The original cast of the movies, Camp Live. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is married to one of my favorite people. It's Jeremy Diamond, everyone. Hello, Patrick. This is finally happening. Long discussed and uh, and now finally occurring. You're out there. You know, you're out there in Seattle. I'm here in D.C. Ironically, today it rained more in D.C. It hasn't rained. So today is uh, September 1st and it has not rained like or barely sprinkled like once or twice. It hasn't rained in like two months, which is really? even for the summer in Seattle is absurd. Wow. Yeah. All right. Like all the grass is dead. It's, it's <laughs> ridiculous. It's yeah. <laughs> Well, I expect we'll get it back at some point. At but some like, point, but you know, you don't want it back all at once. That's kind of what we got yeah. today with the uh, with the hurricane. Yeah. But yes, but we're not here to talk about weather. Well, we kind of will. It comes up in this show a little bit. We're yes, here it, to, yeah, it does. It does. Come, barely, actually, barely, today, it's it a bigger comes, deal. Yeah, yeah, it comes up a lot. We're here to talk about come from away. Welcome to the park. Welcome to the trees, to the ocean and the sky and whatever is in between. To the ones who left, you never truly got. Our candles in the window and the candles always on. When the sun is coming up and the world is coming short. If you're hoping for a harbor, then you'll find an open door. In the winter from the water, through whatever is in the way. To the ones who have come from the way. Welcome to the rock. You reserved this show. Like a long time ago, I think. Like you said, yeah, like, yeah. When I'm on, I, I want to talk had... about "Come From Away," and so how did "Come From Away" come into your life? Yeah, so there's actually a, a couple of different entry points to talk about here. Uh, so Danielle and I, your the yes, favorite. There person. we go. Yes, Danielle yeah. Moman. You're here. Dan- yes, Danielle and I moved to Seattle in from Washington D.C in 2015 uh, because I was going to business school Mm -hmm. at the University of Washington. And first, you know, quarter of business school, I was just like busy all the time. Uh, And Danielle was trying to find her way. And so she was going to, uh, you know, starting to go to a lot of theater here. And at Seattle Repertory Theater, there was the show going up and she's like, you should really come see this with me. People are talking about it. And 
it's kind of hard to like over, it's kind of hard to overstate just how much distraction is available in business school. It is functionally unlimited. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember, like I went to look at my calendar. I didn't find anything, but I don't remember what it was, but I'm sure it was some BS reason I came up with to not go. And I was to, to go to the first preview of come from away at Seattle rep. Um, but she went and she's like, Oh my God, you've got to come see the show. And coming from a city like DC where there's a lot of really great theater always available. It was sort of like in my head, Oh, they're like, I'll have other opportunities to see amazing musicals, Mm -hmm. not realizing that like something like this doesn't come around all the time. People should also know like Daniel is a member of playwrights arena. So we got to also see the opening of dear Evan Hansen at arena stage that same year. Oh, okay. And so, so that's sort of like, we're coming into this, like, I just saw a Broadway level musical. Mm -hmm. They must be growing on trees. Right. Like I, and so I didn't go and she, she went, she went twice during the Seattle, Seattle rep run. The first time she went alone, the second time she got uh, two, uh, two new friends to come with her. Um, And of course, then they couldn't stop talking about it. And so that was the end of it for a little while. And then fast forward to 2017 and they're going, I think that they're going to Broadway and the cast out, original cast album just comes out. And uh, Danielle's like, it's finally time for you to, to listen to this show. And I start listening to it literally on the, the link, which is Seattle's version of the Metro mm-hmm. on the way to the airport to take my first ever trans Pacific flight over to Hong Kong. So I'm about to get on an international flight, <laughs> listening to, you know, open the airplane doors. It's just perfect timing. Actually, the first time I listened to it, I didn't realize I had Spotify on um, on shuffle. And so the first show, you know, first song that came on was Welcome to the Rock. Right. And then it was followed immediately by Screech Out. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a really high energy musical. Like, I'm really surprised at the direction they've taken. This is a lot of fun. And then like another song came on. I was like, I think I'm missing some story here. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, that, that yeah. But it was just like, this is, I, it, that is how, that is how I started listening to, uh, that is how, that is how I started with Come From Away. I should also point out that there's one other entry point here. Which, uh, I knew the story of Gander like long before, all of this like oh, I, really? I knew about it for like since the mid to the mid 2000s uh because prior to smartphones mm-hmm. people were like well what do you do when you're on the toilet and some genius company came up with this, this idea of basically this reader's digest version of like the year called uncle john's bathroom reader right and one of their editions in the mid 2000s had it was probably 2003 uh because they they would do them pretty quickly but they or it was 2003 or 2004 probably they had like a whole thing on what happened in gander Hmm. in and in in newfoundland and so i was like i have all of the context here i didn't have like all of the stories that they got that they collected Or the musical, but I was like, but when you knew I first, this had happened, this historical yeah, event. So this had happened, and when I first listened to the musical, I didn't have any trouble following anything because I knew the outline of the story mm-hmm. already. And I imagine like people are like vaguely aware of what happens, but I like knew like very much uh, what it, I, I knew a lot more about it than I think most people did coming into the show. Sure. So have you not seen it? No. Oh, that reminds me. We did. Yes, we did see it uh, when it came through back into town uh, on the tour. We saw it at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. That's pretty. Well, so that's great. That's interesting. Now, I what's funny about Come From Away, I think before it got to New York and even when it was in New York, I heard Mm -hmm. about it through uh, first through through uh, DC's own Holly Hassett, um, who told everybody she went to see it at Ford's I think and told everyone uh, it was a, if you if you're not in DC theater Holly is a omnipresent force in DC theater and she told everybody to go see it and she bought tons and tons of tickets and would like give them to 
young starving actors and and really to go you know and she would go with them and they would go see the show she saw the show i don't know 10 times probably while it was here in town it was a, so there's a parallel to that uh beverly bass has seen the show at this point hundreds of times mm. and because she can fly anywhere for free right and so she's regularly bringing female pilots to see the show with her oh really oh, that's yeah it's just a th- it's it's a thing she it's does she, like it's the sort of thing she really cares about oh, she's that's always really great. the show well and so but Holly said, you got to go see the show. You got to go see the show. It's at Ford's. But just like you, I, I sort of had this response. Like, okay, like people say that sort of thing all the time. And, you know, it is what it is. But she wouldn't tell me what it was about. She just said, you have to go see it. And, you know, that's fine. And then I was at a party. Uh, God, I don't even remember where I was. It was not in D.C. And uh, it might have been in New York. And somebody, I mentioned like, oh, yeah, everybody in D.C.'s people are talking about the show Come From Away. And... This guy was like, oh, that's that 9-11 musical. And I went, I'm sorry, what? Like, I Because I had no idea what it was about. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's about 9-11. That's all he knew about it. And I was Which just like... Which would offend the, the, like, the writers. Right, I think. right. Yeah. Um, that's when I sort of thought, all right, well, that's interesting. Because Holly is the kind of person who would have brought that up if it was Jermaine. You know what I mean? Like, she wouldn't have skipped that detail. So I was like, all right, that's interesting. And I thought, well, then let's go see it because it's at was at Ford's, which is one of my favorite theaters. And um, mm-hmm. so Kelly and I grabbed a matinee and, and played hooky and went down to see it, knowing almost nothing about it. I mean, real I probably read a little bit about it, but like very, very new, new, absolutely almost nothing about it except that it, I'd heard it was really, really good. And it is not overstating it to say that. That afternoon in Ford's Theater is one of the greatest theatrical experiences of my entire life. Mm. It was really blown, absolutely blew me away. Just completely knocked me down. Now, not to, now to say like you and I had talked a, a little bit on on Twitter where I commented. I think my tweet was like, "Is is Welcome to the Rock the greatest opening number of all time, or are you wrong?" Yeah. And the reason one gets like, you right away. Though. It really does. But like for me. I mean, an up-tempo minor key song, like with a driving progression, uh, like that. I'm a sucker for that. I'm an absolute sucker for that kind of thing. And that song is, is like right in my wheelhouse. But it is like it just absolutely, you're right. It just kicks you right into gear. And then it never stops. Like the beat runs and it goes and it rides. And the show is relentless. Yeah. Like it's absolutely relentless and it's 107 minutes or whatever. And it just doesn't, it's gotta be exhausting to perform this thing. Like it's, yeah, be- I've, 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 I think I've read, read it or heard it said that like they, if you like for the actors, if you stop, you will get out of character. Right. Like you'll you, I mean, if you think I would think like you just have to sort of do it. And what's so funny about it is like in its pre-Broadway ramp up, cause they were at La Jolla then Seattle, then DC, then Toronto, then they went to Broadway. And there mm-hmm. were most of the cast that was at La Jolla ended up in the Broadway company. But there were, yeah. in fact, all but one, I believe. But there were changes in the middle, including in DC when um, Alyssa Keegan uh, replaced Petrina Bromley to play yeah. Bonnie. And like Petrina did it in La Jolla and Seattle, and then Allison just did it in DC, and then Petrina took over in, in, in Toronto. And it, but I can't imagine what that would have been like slotting in, like in the middle of this show, which is just a force of nature. And then, you know, and, having to slot that one in particular. Again. I think, uh-huh. it, like, I'm so I, for, for folks who don't know, I, we've got this really fantastic mm-hmm. book in here. And I think one of the, one of the things they pointed out was during the, like workshopping process, Petrina kept offering to do things like that are choreo or like staging related, which makes Bonnie's track the hardest to play. Oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have seen that was funny because I wouldn't. It, this is the problem. So, I mean, having seen it without knowing anything about it. It, 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 which is the best way to see any show. I, I, I really mm-hmm. do believe that. But one of the problems with it is my memory is what I saw, and then but my knowledge of the show is stuck to the cast album. So like mm-hmm. in my head, Bonnie is one of the smaller parts, and so I kind of always thought because Bonnie runs the animal shelter. We'll do a plot synopsis, which is funny album. because like if you just listen to the cast album, you almost you miss almost that entire plot. Right. Like that's one because it's yeah, all like book it, stuff. Yeah. 
like the line, um, what, um, five days, 19 animals and 7,000 stories yeah. really doesn't make sense unless you see the show. Because you do keep going back to the animal shelter and there's the thing with yes. the bonobo monkey and her trying to take care of stuff. But in my head, I was like, oh, it makes sense that Alyssa slid into that one role because it's not it's not that it's of all the roles. It's one of the easier ones to slot into. But if what you're saying is true, <laughs> like now I'm even more like, what in the hell? Like, that's just that's not we should probably pause and, and give a. Um, a plot synopsis for people who may not know what this show that is about 9-11 but isn't about 9-11. Um, yeah, they, call it, they call it a 9-12 the 9-12 musical. musical. Yes, which will be debuting on Apple TV uh, on 9-10, but we'll talk about that also in a little bit. Could you give uh, give the folks kind of a over... It's not really a plot, per se, but a sort of overarching yeah. sense of, um, of Come From Away. Yeah, so on September 11th, 2001, obviously there's a horrible terrorist attack in New York mm. and U.S. airspace is closed. And when that airspace closes, obviously obviously there are planes in the air and the planes that are in the air from, you know, from, the, from Europe to the U.S., if they're not halfway there already, they turned around. So they're all going back to Europe. But if they're past the halfway point, they are not going to, they, they're not going to turn them around. And so those planes have to land somewhere. They cannot land in the U S at their intended destinations. And so air traffic control is like, all right, we got to divert to all sorts of airports around, you know, around Canada, the West coast and the East coast. And the airport in Gander, Newfoundland hosted 38 planes and Gander, the Gander airport is much larger than you would think given the traffic it sees these days, but that's because before the advent of, as they explained in the show, before the advent of, in a, in a very clever, um, I think, I think scene in, in a very small song, mm-hmm. uh, before the advent of jet engines, planes had to stop to refuel. Mm-hmm. And so they had this big structure with these really long uh, runways. And so the plane, and so they landed 38 planes they were not all passenger planes. In fact, as this, this book points out, one of them was actually a private plane going from Paris to LaGuardia. Right. And we still don't know who was on that plane, although it is it is possible to guess mm-hmm. at it based on some other work that's in this book, which we might talk about. Um, but the story of these 38 planes of people, which as they lay out, they lay out the math for you in 38 planes, mm-hmm. uh, basically doubles the population of this town and the surrounding towns overnight. And so they're like, how do we, like, how do, how do we handle this sudden influx of people? And that is where we go. That like, that is what sets us off on the journey, right from, uh, of come from away. So there's 12, there's 12 in the cast who play. Everybody has one or two like key roles they play with a name Mm -hmm. and a story and a, and an arc and a progression. But then everybody also plays, you know, 30 people. I mean, it's, there's some scene, there's the the, listening today. um, One that stuck out to me is the sequence uh, on the buses when -hmm. they finally get off the plane and they're going to the various places they're, they're keeping everybody. And they sort of, they have the, um, uh, the, the bus driver driving the group of people from Africa who don't speak English and this scene is broken in half by another scene where they cut to like two different buses driving truckloads of people, busloads of people to other places. And it's a very comedic scene. And there's two things I really like about it. But one thing that was funny to me was like, we really don't know who anyone's playing in that in-between scene. They don't have names. They don't have, they're just sort of generic townsfolk. And they kind of cut away from this very specific scene with named characters and then come and then go to this little comedic scene in the minute and then go back to the other one. So at any given moment, these people using, you know, hats and mustaches and all different kinds of like weird, odd theatrical conventions are playing innumerable characters and switching. The thing I was impressed with seeing it and the reason I'm glad I didn't know about this before I saw it is um, how how seamless the transitions are. Yeah, where they're not change, you know, they're changing little tiny things about their physical, um, like costume or prop, but the real way they do it is through voice and and body. They really change their demeanor, their tone, their stance. You know, they they adopt an entirely different physicality, and they do it 
they're in and they're out and it's sometimes played for great comedic effect but sometimes it's not sometimes it's just the the sort of dramatic arc of all these different people and it can yeah, get the muscle memory right on those accents you have just to, to be like oh like gosh. you say in and out must yeah, take absolutely yeah, so much. have to hop in and out of it it's it, it's really really remarkable so so tightly written and did win we should say tony for best director uh at the at the tony's that year um well, Deserved, really, which is sort of in that case, I think, a substitution for for best ensemble, uh, which is not a Tony that they they obviously give. Not to take anything away mm-hmm. from Christopher Ashley, I think he did a tremendous job, um, but uh, and deserved it. I also think it deserved best musical, best book, best score, you know, and anything else they wanted to give it. But you know, mm-hmm. some people were waving, no, I, yeah, some people we, we were, were waving. We're, for we're in agreement on that one. I do, yeah, distinctly remember. Like I think that year you thought they were going to win it all. I did what? say they were going to win it all. Yes, I did. I did that mainly to try to win the Tony pool because everybody else had picked Dear Evan Hansen correct, correctly. And the, like, you know. that, all right, that, that's funny because the I like I remember that year. Um, the New York Times did a big like feature story on um, Ben Platt mm-hmm. and like all the like all he did to like in playing Evan Hansen, and the story was so like over the top and this was pre Tony's, but like they were leading into the award show. I was like, this is something that an assignment editor puts someone on when all of their friends were like, you've got to see this show mm-hmm. and all, and like a New York times assignment editor probably has a lot of friends who are Tony voters. Right. And so I was like, okay, I think Dear Evan Hansen is going to win this. Cause it clearly has like a big. Oh, it was the, yeah, it was the, it was the obvious choice. And I, but I, I hoped against hope that it would win like best score which that seemed like a lot to me, and then this would take best musical because I saw them both. It was one of the few times in my life yeah. where I've seen both original Broadway productions, like of two shows that were both up for best musical in the same year at the same time before the Tonys, and yeah. so really did also for the first time have a distinct favorite. I don't, you know, I, I don't, I, I have bashed Dear Evan Hansen on this show. For comedic effect, many, many times, because it's a very easy target. But I do genuinely think that it's a it's a very it, it's a show that is not as as good as it seems, um, and has a lot of problems with it. Had a tremendous cast, has some mm-hmm. excellent songs, and it, but come from away to me is a once in a generation kind of show. You know, I don't want to, it's not the greatest show ever written. Is it? It's a little saccharine at points. It's a little simplistic. It trades a lot in being almost 20 years removed from the event and sort of having that wide angle view of the event to yeah. sometimes for great, because you have to in order to construct the narrative, but it does shortcut things. It does give a lot of sort of underrepresentation to some problematic issues that it does hint to that are coming, but... Yeah, you know, there's. I think I think it even gets into that dark, some of that darker stuff in the book, so that doesn't make it into. The yes, cast it's album. not on the cast album. There is some. There's a scene in the book, actually, um, in the book of the musical, I should say, piece by um, where the one there is. So the, you end up basically for the for the purposes of narrative, you follow one plane. Um, yeah, sort more, of like more or less. More like or I, less. I don't remember if all the main are all the main. Uh, Come from a ways from one plane? No, they're not. But there's the one plane that sings 28 hours and but they kind of hop around. But like there's the the one on on the one plane or at least see, this is the thing is they they get away with it on stage. We're like, I don't you I don't know for a fact we're on one plane. We could every time somebody stands up to deliver a line, we could be hopping from plane to plane to plane. They're never really specific about it. But yeah. sitting in the chairs on the stage are, mm-hmm. you know, the Kevin's. And um, and Bob and uh, it is the the plane that Beverly's flying. You know, like ostensibly this is the same plane. That this and this is the reason it gets kind of like Tivy. So like there's the the, the other Kevin of the, of the pair of Kevins. Um, it was uh, cute for a while. Cesar Samoa, yeah, it's a good line. Um, plays a character called um, Ali, who I mm. believe is the the guy who's also the the head chef. Yes. Okay, so it is the same guy. And he is singled out a few times for being Muslim uh, and yeah. the panic that ensues around him in, in the mm-hmm. town. And um, It's but, played off very quickly in the, in the 
in the cast album. Like it yes. just goes by so. Super but it fast. is a. But there is a scene in the book yeah. where there's like a cavity search. Well, there's, and well, that's a, that's what I was getting to. There's a couple scenes of tension, and then it ends with before he's allowed back on the plane to leave, he has to be searched. Um. And Beverly has to witness it. I can't exactly remember how that goes, but it's I think a, Beverly like convinces herself she has to witness it, right? Which is yeah, it's a dark and hard scene. It's good. It's a really really good scene, um, but it kind of does all the heavy lifting for that issue, and so yeah. it it's good. It's really great. Like I want to be clear, I wouldn't change a word. I wouldn't change a note. I wouldn't change a direction of this show. But I it, yeah. it is not. I don't, I don't want to overstate how like objectively great I think it is, but it is an exceptionally well written and well done production. I'm really really glad it's it's going to be on Apple TV so people can see it, um, and I'm really glad it's still running. Like I was really when it didn't win, I was really afraid it was going to close because that's what happens mm-hmm. sometimes to shows like that. Like they just nobody comes and it closes and it's but. It's still running for it's going to reopen. I don't exactly know when it's planned. I know it's listed to reopen, but like, you know, it's been running for four years until the stop. Obviously, oh, they're resuming performances yeah. on September 21st. And it's in multiple 21st. places now. Like, yeah, just, was it still the running world. in the West End or was it? Um... It is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's had to pause, obviously. But yes, it is still part of the West End. And it's, yeah, it's just one of those. And it's in Dublin, I think. It's in, all over the place. It's so great. That's really good. I was really reminded listening to it for today about how well it blends the drama and the absolute insanity of the comedy in this show. Yeah, <laughs> Just which I think funny is, is. I mean, which I, like is probably why they like kept a lot of the darkest stuff out of the out of the um, out of the musical pieces, but also like really i think hits that apex hits the apex of that mm-hmm. in 28 hours wherever we are mm-hmm. which i could not believe when i read was originally two separate songs yeah and as the idea i think being 28 hours happens on one plane wherever we are happens on another plane mm-hmm. and you have one dramatic song one comedic song but when you listen to them now it's just like you they it would be like one plus one equal three here yeah in, in, like in terms of the in terms of the pacing uh and in terms uh in in terms of like lightning lightening that drama a little a little bit um because like not every moment of the dramatic song like sonic uh not every moment of 28 hours is like like fear-based there's the very touch like touching moment where beverly gets in touch with tom and i mm-hmm. really love this song, this is my favorite song in the whole show. Woo! Meanwhile on our plane, we didn't have a clue. We were all going insane because there wasn't squat to do. Then the captain starts apologizing, says on behalf of the airline, I'm giving each and every one song. Complimentary blues, open the airplane doors, wave at all the cars, hello to whoever you are, wherever we are. The ground crew supplied whatever we needed. Nicotine patches, medication, strikes me looking at it is that it's actually four kind of four songs in a row with 38 planes mm-hmm. blankets and bedding and then into 28 hours and wherever we are where yeah. it is a relentless like once you get welcome to the rock and then there's some book scenes to set gander up suddenly we're like we're all over the place. Like it is just absolutely rolling. And again, like you yeah, say, like I, think, there, I think there's a, there might be an applause break after welcome to the rock. And then it's there just is. like, boom, boom, I don't boom. know who said it. Somebody said on Twitter that the show, one of the strengths of Come From Away is its applause break structure because it doesn't yeah. stop to let you clap ever, yeah. except they, yeah. two or three key moments to intentionally like release the tension yeah. of, of what's going on because you can't, you can't just go straight ahead. You do have to pause and let the audience catch their breath. And you have Welcome to the Rock, big rousing open number, everybody claps. 
But then you go for a really long time until we get to something that could be an applause break. And it's really, it's either, depending on how you go, it, it's either going to, it really is me in the sky. Like me in the sky is the next moment you have some kind of emotional catharsis re- like release for the audience to to applaud, to stop, to take a breath and to to move on. And it's that really interesting thing that you only get in musicals where you have to think about this sort of like releasing the audience a little bit. Yeah. And that's, a, a, you know, thoughts you have to have when you're constructing a Broadway show or a live show of any kind. And this one is really meticulously constructed with those, like, like thinking about all those moments of like, like I say, balancing the comedy and the drama, even in, uh, I don't think, I think it's in Blankets and Bedding, which is, has this great run where the reporter comes out at the beginning and says, The Baptist Church needs a hand moving their pews. Dr. O'Brien down at the pharmacy is ready to fill any prescriptions. Oh, and the Lions Club is looking for some toilet paper if you have any extra. Medicine, toothpaste, underwear, aspirin. Jackets our kids grew out of last summer. And down at the station we're taking donations out by the door. Holy Jesus, there's more. It's better than being at home alone wondering what's really happening. Everyone's phoning. We're setting up rooms in the schools. Gym mats, is that enough? Do you tell me and we'll both know? What do we need? For the love of God, stop bringing toilet paper to the Lions Club. And it's a great, great laugh and a great break for the, in, in the tension to be like, that's right, this is serious and tragic and historic and important, but it's also silly. Like, it's really silly that we have to, like, the people have to do this and deal with this issue. And... Sometimes you're going to have too much toilet paper down at the Lions yeah. Club. Or you put the cast album on shuffle and then right. you just... And it becomes kind of an avant-garde piece mm-hmm. about about screeching. And, and, yeah. Right. Uh, final thing on the on the applause breaks. So mm-hmm. that, that is another thing that came up. And actually, uh, if you read, like, according to the book, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda mm-hmm. also noticed this when he came to the show, that there are so few applause breaks, and this was on purpose because the the thinking was like you know gander didn't get to take a break we're mm-hmm. maintaining the audience's connection with the story and there are four applause breaks welcome to the rock uh end of the show uh, or like yeah mm-hmm. end of the show right. uh screech in and then the moment that's not on the cast album because it's a book scene when they ask for volunteers to clean the bathrooms and oh right every male member of the cast show stands up in a white lab coat they're the cardiologists on the way to the conference. Right. And they're like, we didn't like, maybe this, some, like according to the book, sometimes we are unable to stop the clapping yeah. because people really want to applaud <laughs> cardiologists doing a like mock burlesque situation. I forgot about that. That's really. So funny. did I before I like read, read the book. And then right. I was like, yes, I remember that moment very clearly. One of the things I keep, I, I've read about, that um, Hein and Sankoff said is like, it's kind of like Laramie Project mm-hmm. with music. Yeah. That's like a really same good structure, Same everything. Yeah. And that's why it's sort of, you know, the characters, every, and when I say every character has an arc, I mean it. Every single character, you know who they are and what their problem is. I mean, down to the fact that like the weird little details that like in Gander, the buses are on strike. Yeah, which that great line, which, like another another plot side plot that sort of gets glossed over in the uh, like it gets a side mention, in the yes, piece, but it's like a much bigger deal in the book. Yeah, and it and it keeps coming up. At the beginning, it's sort of a problem because they want to get the buses to get the plane people, and the bus guys wisely sort of are like, "Well, hang on, we're suddenly in a very strong <laughs> negotiating position," which they quickly relent, but. It it's a state is, of emergency. Yeah, you know? it's a state of and they and they all kind of get. But it, it is a funny little also detail in the fact that like the people in Gander are noted for being so nice and so accommodating, but the buses are on strike. Like so there yeah. is like there is acrimony in the town. It's a really interesting little little dramatic moment. But so you, a lot a lot yeah, a lot of the little nits thing like that the small the, those like small bits of conflict mm-hmm. are basically just written out of the they're, they're written into the book and out of they're the not songs. on the album yeah they're not yeah. they're not really in the musical numbers they're Which yeah pro- another, like another reason like i like the like why the album is one of the reasons the album is so damn good is it's just pot like it's relentless positivity in 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 that way and it does give you just enough 
they were really smart about saying like, well, these what is not going to make sense if we don't include it? So like the, you get a lot of the Kevin and Kevin tension because you need yeah. that to sort of understand in in uh, um, oh, what's it's it? in it's in multiple it's in. Yeah, that's in multiple. Either way, it is a core that is a core relationship. Yes, that is going on. The relationship that I think gets super underbaked in the album which, and I, and I'm not a fan of it, but not a super fan of it on the, on the stage either. Mm. Cause it's just like us, it is Nick and Diane, mm. which I, and like, oh, the, really? I, it is a, it is the, it is the love story, right? but it is also, it's not even like a B plot. It is like a C or D plot on September 11th or in 12th. Like it, yeah. the stakes are, are out of whack here. If like I like I'm not I've never got super invested in that. That's interesting. And the, I, the stage version made it only like marginally. But there was a little bit more meat there, but like not. It, it was not the thing I really cared about. I see. I think in the show it doesn't matter. I think that because I agree with you, and I kind of I liked the. There's a little bit of a head fake at the end where you think they're the point of their story is just going to be like, well, it happened in game. It was like camp. Yeah. And like. It's a really nice line where she says, like, we just couldn't make it work. Yeah. And I thought it was like, oh, that's a shame. Like, you know, they couldn't because, of course, they couldn't. And then it's like, so I moved. And I was like, oh, OK. So, like, we're going that way. And I see. I, I mean, you need something like that. That is something good comes out of the bad besides just like yeah. the scholarship. Fund. Like, that's why it's in there. Yeah. And the, the Bob storyline is. Or the, I mean, the, the Bob storyline is probably my favorite. Of yeah. all of those stories, I mean, there's this this African American from 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 New Jersey, or he sort of lives in New York, but I think he's from New Jersey, yeah. and he is sort of his central problem is he's like just he's a city kid and he's scared yeah. all the time. Basically, he's scared that people are coming for him all the time. And there's an amazing scene; it's an amazing scene in the, on the stage version where they're going to have a big cookout for everybody. Yeah. And he asks to help, and they tell him to go house to house and just take everybody's grills. And they're all just like, just take them. And he's just like, as a black guy, I'm, I'm going to walk man around. walking from the stranger's backyard. Right, you taking know. grills. And they're like, yeah, just do it. And then there's it's an amazing scene where he goes to take the first grill, and this guy comes on the porch and goes, hey. like, And, and everything freezes. <laughs> and he's like... You need that grill? He's like, yep. He's like, all right, go ahead. You know, okay. Yeah, I got another one around the corner. So, I mean, it's just it it and it just really and then yeah, it's so good. And, and his the, his arc is really interesting, especially at the end when his I think he has the line that his dad says, "Are you okay? Were you okay?" And he's yeah. like, "How can I explain that I wasn't just okay? I was better, you know, than I am right now." It's that he so there is a lot of interesting little stuff Which I think is one of like that's like maybe the the core thing that shoots through the entire show is mm-hmm. like how people are changing mostly for the better yeah by going through this extremely traumatic experience that I'm sure they would give back in a heartbeat if it hadn't happened there isn't you know that's the thing that there isn't and I I don't think there's room for it but it would be I see like where I mean this is sort of nitpicky again like I, I I as I look for things to sort of to sort of to 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 object to it's it's you know would it be a better show if there was a sort of moment at the end of like if it hadn't been for this terrible thing we wouldn't have met and isn't that kind of weird no no yeah it wouldn't have been better be because show. one of the big points of the show is also like you are wherever you are and like, mm-hmm. this is where we are. This is, we didn't, like, this is what happened. We didn't cause it. This is what happened. And it, it's it's really about so many of the characters who end up in positive places are responding to, they're taking what happened and they're responding as their best selves. And that's the sort of like the split in the, in the relationship between the Kevins Um yeah. And also, but like things with Bonnie and Hannah, where Hannah is her uh, is a character whose son is a firefighter in New York, who is it turns out dies on uh, on September 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Bonnie, who is one of the principal, not Bonnie, it's not Bonnie. Who is it? Um, it's um, uh, what's her name? Is it Beulah? Beulah. Yes, it's Beulah. Beulah, who runs the school. Um she and Beulah and Hannah developed this friendship. Diane. No, it's not Diane. No, it's not Diane. Um, Diane's on TV. Um, yeah. Beulah uh, 
keeps trying to get Hannah to go do something. And all Hannah wants to do is sit by the phone and wait for someone to call. So Hannah sits with her. And they have a lot of, again, this is not on the album. They have a lot of scenes together talking about telling jokes. And they both kind of, what's great about it is Beulah has this unbearably sort of bubbly, jokey personality that gets tempered by the seriousness of Hannah's situation. And Hannah sort of gets through her terrible situation with the the help of Beulah and the two characters, like as you want in a good drama, change each other. And, you know, then you, you progress from there. Yeah. Uh, and a, a lot of that is also explored in uh, like the, the difference between the characters who like do better themselves and the ones who have much more difficult time with it mm-hmm. is explored in costume party mm-hmm. where half of it is about like, I'm I just, half of it. Half of it is I want to go home. I've got to get out of here. Yeah. I'm in a messed up costume party. And the other half is, this is so like I. This is so interesting. I am like learning so much about myself. I'm in like I, I'm. I'm a different version of myself right now. And none of them are wrong. I mean, it's the thing of like, the thing about the Kevins, where you know one Kevin is much more positive and sort of joining things in the town. He kisses the fish. He does the whole like he he really gives himself yeah. over. And the other Kevin, his response of like. Like, you go do whatever you want. I'm going to be sitting right here so that when they tell us we can leave, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Is a very valid response. And yeah. totally understandable. <laughs> like he's, he's, all, yeah. yeah. There's, like, no, like, there's no protagonist. There's no antagonists. No, the not at all. There's no... Every, yeah. Everything, by the end, we understand why everyone is doing what yeah, they're I mean, doing. Ultimately, the show, ultimately, the show comes down on the side of, of positive Kevin. Um, as negative Kevin is sort of written out of the finale. Um, we also won't talk about the terrible like HR violations positive Kevin has with continuously dating his secretary. Oh my god! Yeah, let's yeah we'll leave that out. <laughs> Two jokes about funny, it. Th- funny thing I learned about the so they originally wrote the Kevins as like they changed their names because they're like we weren't sure if they would be okay. Oh with it. okay. They changed their name to Colin, and then both of them saw the show before it made it all the way, and they were like we want you to tell the story, change our name back to Kevin. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's also, it's too good of a name for that joke. Like that they're, that they're both named Kevin. It's just so nice. It it is. the It's It's a good name for that. We're both named Kevin. It was cute for a while. Jeremy, you've already told us your favorite song. So you killed my wrap up, which is 28 hours. <laughs> 28 hours. Uh. <laughs> it just, well, like, I, I, like, I probably turned that song on again when I boarded the plane to Hong Kong. Mm. So, so did you listen to this all the way to Hong Kong? No, I'm sure I tried to sleep at some point. Oh, that's like, true. I, that's and like, also, it doesn't take the whole trip to. Uh, well, you know, to not at all. It's a, it's a one hour cast album. It's a tight. It's yes. a tight one hour. I love it. Tight one hour. We, we, we love a we we love a no act break. We do out in less than two hours. We do situation. We do. We do. We absolutely do. I've come to like both now, but like certainly, I am like a hundred minutes. Like I say, minor key, like four on the floor with a minor key opening number, and you've got me, like, all the way through. I, I think that it's just a, you know, big, big musicals with intermissions and all that. They have their place, but it's not this. this I, I, I will add that the, since, since you, since you, you want me to do the favorite, like, the favorite song, mm-hmm. it's, it is a second intro, like, it is a second intro song where mm-hmm. Welcome to the Rock is an introduction to the Newfoundland cast. Yeah. And 30, uh, and um, 28 Hours, wherever we are, is an intro to the plain people. Right. And that is, like, it is extremely necessary in that way, but it also gets the, like, the full respect that a really good intro song, like, it, it, it got the full, clearly got the full attention in the writing process. Oh, yeah. Really writing that a really good intro song needed yeah and yeah uh, it's yeah it shows up oh absolutely a thousand percent yeah it it is a real like it does have it's almost like everything that happens before not everything that happens before but it's like it's like prologue um because it isn't until the people get off the planes and go into the town that the story really goes you know before that it, it's it's they're yeah. they're getting ready for the people and that's funny or that's whatever but like once the the people start to co-mingle that's when 
the tension starts. Yeah. That's when they have to be contended with. That's the, you know, and it's like, I mean, there's so many heartbreaking moments, even in that little opening, once they get them off the planes of saying that, like, you know, they've made all this food and they've got all this stuff and the people don't want food. They want pl- phones. Mm-hmm. It really is transportive in a lot of ways. Um, for me that I think a lot, like a lot, the, the, the best September 11th dramas I've seen are very transportive to the simple confusion yeah. of that day. And, and that it was just very, there was a lot of emotions running around, but the predominant one that I feel like gets skipped a lot for me was the confusion. Like people just didn't know what was going on. And so they did a really, yeah, they, they, they did, did a, a really good job of it. On yeah. the album. Another great scene that they didn't get on the album, but it, like it's, it's in the book was basically air traffic control communicating mm-hmm. to all of the airplanes. Yeah. Here's where you're going. And sometimes they told the pilots what was going on. Sometimes they didn't. Right. Sometimes the pilots told their passengers right. what was going on or what they thought was going on or what they knew what was going on. Sometimes they lied to them because right. they're like, you don't want like, yeah, there, there, there was no, probably no good in saying like, hey, we're landing because there's been a terrorist attack in New York. How does that help anything? Right. Like, Wait until you're on the ground. Yeah, and off the plane, least. at least before you. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. And, and we're going to see a lot of those news stories in the coming days if we haven't already. Yeah. It was also apparently the only, that scene is probably the only time in the show where someone purposely mispronounces Newfoundland. In, oh, really? In, one of, yes, one of the flight attendants in that scene says Newfound, uh, Newfoundland. Newfoundland, yeah. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. They get it right by the end. Another little thing, yeah, all these little things. Oh, it's because that's the show. It is a come from away is a collection of little things. It is not that leads to a really big thing. But like we say, there's no overarching villain. There's no there's no protagonist. Beverly is the closest thing we have to to a protagonist, but she isn't. And it's another reason that um, me in the sky kind of does feel out of place to me is as good as it is and as well performed as it is. It's a show of a real ensemble show where you may have favorite members of the ensemble, you have favorite little storylines, but like no one individual ensemble character and or storyline would fill a show. That's the point. You have to put them all together. It's just because it's just a woman waiting by the phone. It's just a guy going around to collect grills. It's just, you know, a couple kind of deteriorating. It's it's yeah, very, and, and a couple and, coming together. It's very, very tiny little things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and resisting that in the writing process to like focus on one person was probably, yeah, probably very difficult to resist that. Well, it would like, be the sort of writing school way to do it is you pick a protagonist who is the audience's end point and you just, you watch them go on the journey through Gander. Maybe you have two, maybe you have one person in the town and one person off a plane and you use them to encapsulate the whole town and instead of doing that they got 12 outstanding performers and wrote like 150 characters and just went for broke but they went fully in the other direction and that's why it works they don't try to like they didn't half it it's so many characters and so much going on and just when you think like oh we're following this for a little while that plot just disappears and we pick up an entirely different one and there's little moments, like you say, like with the guy with the rabbi, these little tiny pieces and flavors. And yeah, it's tremendous, folks. You should watch it. Get 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 your parents' Apple TV Plus password and watch Come From Away. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, thank you so much. This was great. This was Jeremy's yeah. like, Jeremy pushed to get this done. And he was right. Also, you got to get, get those hits. People are searching Come From Away. Oh, yeah, I got to get that come, SEO, man. Dude, come it's from, all about Come From Away in their podcast. Yeah. I live on that SEO life, man. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> if I understood how SEO worked. <laughs> oh man. Nobody understands. The sky's the limit if I understood exactly what SEO was and how it worked. Tom, oh thank God, I finally got through. I borrowed a passenger's phone. How are you? Are the kids okay? No, I'm fine, Tom. I'm fine. Safe and sound on the ground here in Newfoundland. We don't know much except for the BBC. Listen, I can't talk long. Can you do something for me? I'm okay. I'm fine. Bien. Pick up. Tell the kids I'm alright. Take them into the kitchen and show them the map that we used to put pins in. 
The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Jeremy Diamond for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn. And I can't. I have rehearsal. What's happening? Somewhere in between your life and your work. When the world may be falling apart. And you think I'm alone. I'm alone. And I'm so damn helpless. There's nothing left to do my dream. We open the airplane doors. Flash on the cars. Woo! I've never done that before. 28 hours gone. Over an entire day. I'm up in the cockpit with some of the other passengers when the pilot puts the radio on over the intercom and the whole plane goes silent when the president gives his speech. I asked the American people to join me in saying a thanks for all the folks who've been fighting hard to rescue our fellow citizens and to join me in saying a prayer for the victims and their families. The resolve of our great nation is being tested, but make no mistake, we will show the world that we will pass this test. God bless. You got through to the airline. Tom, I'm okay. Tell me what's happening out there. How bad is it? Tell me everything. Tom, who was in the air? No, no, I wouldn't have known them. No, no one on that airline. Charles, are you sure? No, I'm fine, Tom. I'm fine. Okay, so Danielle texted me and said, you have to introduce Jeremy as being married to one of your favorite people. So I'm going to do that, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to tell her that I chickened out. And you're not going to mention it. And then she'll just listen to the episode and it'll happen. And then this conversation we're having right now, I'm going to put after the credits mm. so she can hear I bet about she'll, how we you know what? She'll probably, she probably won't believe me. She'll be like, I bet he did it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>